Welcome to The Sociable Homeschooler with Vivian McNinney. Vivian is here to talk to you, to encourage you, and to show you how she had a successful homeschooling experience with her Wildflower Academy, and that her kids turned out great, and that with God's help, you can create the same experience she did. From her beginnings in Hostert, West Germany, to Dallas, it's been quite a journey, and her abilities to adapt, survive, and thrive are what make her unique in homeschooling. So have your pen and paper ready. It's The Sociable Homeschooler. And now, here's your host, Vivian McNinney. I will do whatever you ask in my name so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If in my name you ask me for anything, I will do it. John 14, verse 14. Jesus is in a teaching mode here. He's trying to get as much said as he can during his short time on earth. He tells his his disciples who are so confused that not only is he the way, the truth, and the life, but that in order to get to heaven, they have to do it through him. He tells his friends that if they believe in him, which they're trying very hard to grasp, they'll be able to do the work he started, the miracles and healings, take over from him. But they're still not getting it. Not only that, he says they'll be able to do greater works because he'll be dead and with the father who he has told them is in heaven. It's getting confusing. He's setting his disciples up so that when his incarnate self leaves the earth, those he leaves behind will have greater powers so they can make many followers, which, as we know, they did. He tells them whatever they ask in his name, he will do. I derive a great deal of hope from these verses because I do believe that when I ask for something in Jesus' name, he'll do it. I don't always see what he's done because I'll be expecting my specific request to be answered in a way I can understand. But seen or not, I know my prayers are being answered the way God wills. And who am I to dispute that? There aren't as many miracles and healings today in the Western world as there were in the early Christian movement because we have what they didn't have. We have the word telling us of Jesus' works and we have witnesses telling of Jesus' works in their writings. Goodness, if we haven't got it by now, then we never will. Yet in my own life, I see a lot of miracles, a lot of prayer results, which are living testimonies to the power of God in my life and the personal relationship I have with him. Alleluia to the risen Lord. Hello, welcome to the Sociable Homeschooler. My name is Vivian McNenny, and I'm here to dispel the preconceived ideas many have about what educating our children at home looks like. For some, it's straightforward school. For me, it suited the maverick that lurked within when I decided I didn't want to miss anything my children were doing by handing them over to folk who weren't their mother. So we mixed it up and shared our time between books and play. Either way I look at it, it's all learning. Over the years, I've spoken to a wide range of homeschooling mothers and fathers from the secular to the missionary, the academic to the child-led. For us, schooling becomes a suffix for home, boat biking, the world, you name it, we can find educational opportunities anywhere. In my personal journey, I've used the tools God gave me to live my life fully. I've moved in and out of my comfort zones, children will do that for you, gaining insights and delights along the way, which I'm happy to share with you. With or without my children underfoot, my life is often ordinary, always busy, and sometimes frustrating, but for me, it starts and ends with God, The beauty of his creation, silence, a starry night, a rousing piece of music, or a simple 
hug. If you pop by, I'll offer you a glass of Florida orange juice and a banana off the tree to tickle your taste buds. And thank you for staying. But I understand if I don't see you, you're on that side. I'm over here broadcasting from Turkey Creek in Florida. After the first break, my guest, Catherine Grubb, will be joining me to talk about children, laundry and writing in 10-minute increments. Stay right where you are. I think we're in for a good time. I'm all set, so grab whatever it is you're drinking and let me engage you with the latest and greatest from the household of the McNennies, where we're enjoying alligator fishing, bike riding, and popularity. Are you ready? If I was relying on my Fisher Texan for food, I'd be starving by now. He's been casting off the deck and has had a couple of bites, but the only thing he's landed so far is a gar, which has really sharp teeth and isn't anything he'd want to bring to the dinner table. But he did see an alligator making its merry, sweet little way along the canal, no more than 20 feet from where he was fishing. The canal water is dark and calm, and the alligator blended in really well, but he was startled. Fisher Texan, I mean. We also spotted one while we were having lunch yesterday. Not so big, but as my cowboy alligator expert pointed out, an alligator is an alligator, no matter the size. This week, though, has brought a new sport to the fishing dock. My blue-eyed hunter has taken to fishing early in the morning in the hopes he'll attract more interest in his bait. He says... I'm off to fetch dinner. And as I've said, if it weren't for the abundance of frozen salmon and cod in the freezer, I'd be as thin as a rail. On Monday, I got a text in my office from the dock saying, here's a gator, come and see. So off I tiptoed. He told me to be quiet as I approached the water, which I was creeping across the grass. And there was a gator just swimming down the canal. Ho-hum, seen that before. But wait, on Tuesday, he snagged one. I mean, it bit his bobber and took the line down to the bottom. My Fisher Texan was reeling it in, his line that is, but the gator was having none of it. Eventually, it surfaced and must have spat the hook out or finished with flossing its teeth because my blue-eyed hunter who was was able to retrieve his bobber and his hook. The bobber had tooth marks in it, though. He's going to take a picture and preserve it. Actually, I think he's just going to keep it, maybe frame it. Then off went the gator, continuing its leisurely swim down the canal. Yesterday morning, I was summoned again. So off I went to see him playing with the giant lizard. He'd cast out. The gator would swim up to the bobber and have a nose off with it. Then my blue-eyed hunter would cast out again, and the same thing would happen. Then the alligator got tired of this little game, and he grabbed it in front of me, hook, line, and sinker, and took it off to the muddy bottoms again before letting go. I left the dock saying, that's a dangerous sport. If you insist on fishing for gators, I'll have to ban you from the dock. He agreed, but there was a glint in his blue eyes. The gator was a good six feet long, and I could see its little legs and feet. Well, not really little, big legs and feet underneath the water. This morning, he waved goodbye and said, I'm off to catch dinner, honey. Want another alligator? And I said, well, there's not enough room in the freezer. Throw him back when you catch him again. And the members of the community who are left for the summer have told us they never see an alligator. I don't know where they're looking or where they're not looking, but there are several right in our backwater. Similarly, these same neighbours say, oh, you can walk for miles down the road, it's quite safe around here. And then 
when I was out on my bike the other day, granted I wasn't walking, I saw not one or two, but three sheriff's cars along the road. They were parked, conversing about something. They were blocking an intersection. Somehow, I don't think I should take these people at their word. And did I mention bike riding? The owners of the dogs have two lovely bikes, which we are allowed to ride. There's nothing like cycling along a straight stretch of road. I ride on the sidewalk, pavement for my English listeners, and I can get lost in thought and not have to worry about getting lost in the twisty, turny streets or lanes of neighborhood or park, which I tend to do. Having to pay attention disturbs my train of thought. I love these straight roads, straight through the countryside, cows on either side, orange groves, palm trees. You jealous? <laughs> I can pedal for a few miles without having to go round and round in circles or stop at lights or bump over cracks in the road. Apparently, the two dogs are trained to run alongside the bikes. There's a basket for the little one just in case she gets tired. But I haven't tried it yet because I don't think they'll be happy going five miles without a sniff stop. Last week on my show, I was talking about popularity, what it was and how to encourage our children to make themselves likable. I covered a few pointers and not making an, well, I covered a few pointers. One of them was not making an effort to be popular. Another one was being natural. Another one was thinking of others more than thinking of themselves. Another was having a big heart and not being so self-centered. Now I come to the final pointer. Lighten up on life because having a sense of humor is a definite path to popularity. Not that you need to spend the whole time teaching your child how to tell a good joke. But really, looking at life with some humor helps us all deal with what's going on and makes us more fun to be around. We watched two of our children's videos of a traffic light violation. Funny viewing choice for an afternoon, I know, but we did it anyway. One of them, and I'm telling you, this is part of the lightening up on life, okay? One of them really went for it. There was no question the light turned red just as he made it to the other side of the intersection, but he shot across probably doing a whole 10 miles an hour, clear as day. The other child snuck across the intersection behind another car as if she wouldn't be noticed. It was rush hour in a busy part of town, and the traffic was just crawling. She said she didn't want to sit through another red light, so she didn't. Her violation wasn't, well, her violation video wasn't nearly as impressive, and that made us laugh too. And I'm not telling this out of disrespect, but to show that with a little bit of laughter, they were able to get over the anger they felt at getting caught. Now, the next time they're tempted to go for that amber light, they'll remember that afternoon and the laughter and think twice. And I hope from all this popularity talk, you're realizing that being popular within your family is every bit as valuable, if not more so, as being popular with your peers. Do you want people to groan when you accept an invitation to the family reunion? Or do you want them to cheer? Do you want your cousins, siblings, and parents to say, I'm glad she's able to come. That'll make the weekend worth it. So to wrap up. The attributes most needed for popularity are encourage your children to be themselves, to think of others, to have big hearts, to lose their egos, and not to take themselves too seriously. 
And talking of popularity, it's Memorial Weekend, and I've suggested to my cowboy, who loves cooking on the grill, that we get a brisket and invite the few people who are still here for some drinks around the barbie. Oh, all right, maybe we're buying ribs. He said, don't you think the protocol should be that they invite us? Well, since when have we observed protocol? But I do agree with him. We were told perhaps another exaggeration, that everyone was so friendly here and I half expected to be bombarded with invitations for cups of tea because we were new and had our own set of stories to tell and they could tell theirs again. We walk and ride about the area and when someone says hello or waves to us, we say hello and wave back. So it's not as if we're not personable, trying to be ourselves and shining in the popularity stakes. There is someone I want to talk to, but not on my own. He's two doors down and has bought the two lots on either side of him and he's made them into to such pretty English-like gardens. He's working on a large boat in his garage, has a vintage roadster, and I know Hubs would love to have a jaunt in that. But I don't know. He used to race powerboats too, so we have something in common, but he doesn't know that yet. Happy Memorial Day weekend to all of you. Be safe and enjoy your friends and family. And I've got to go on a break, so I'll be back in just a moment with my guest. Do you handle toddlers, teens, and tirades when homeschooling? That's what we're working on now. It's Vivian McNinney, the sociable homeschooler, and we'll be right back after these. If you're ready for a big change in your work, your career, your happiness, your life, it's time for the Million Dollar Mindset with Marla Tabaka. Monday afternoons at 2, 1 central on Toginet.com. Marla believes that with the right mindset, anything is possible. Join us as successful life coach Marla Tabaka inspires you and her clients to explore, discover, and live your dreams by developing what she calls the Million Dollar Mindset. Marla will inspire you to take action on your dreams and reveal secrets to success that will help you realize your own unique power. Tune into the Million Dollar Mindset for heartwarming stories with Marla Tabaka. Learn tips and tricks to building a successful business and unlock the secrets to creating a happier, more balanced life through abundant thinking and attraction power. For more information on the Million Dollar Mindset, go to our website, MarlaTabaka.com. That's M-A-R-L-A-T-A-B-A-K-A.com. It's the Million Dollar Mindset with Marla Tabaka. Monday afternoons at 2, 1 p.m. Central on Toginet.com. Have you heard? The pages of American Patchwork and Quilting Magazine come to life on our new weekly online radio show, American Patchwork and Quilting. Join Pat Sloan, our blogging and quilt designer host, as she talks about the latest trends, ideas, and inspirations. Her guests include quilt pattern designers, authors, quilt shop owners, and our editors. All quilters, just like you. Call in with your questions. Get quilting tips from industry experts. Learn about free patterns. Hear behind-the-scenes stories from our magazines, American Patchwork and Quilting, Quilt Sampler, and Quilts and More. Get the scoop on free stuff and find out more about the best independent quilt shops in North America. To listen to a live show, tune in Monday at 4 p.m. Eastern. Just log on to allpeoplequilt.com slash radio. To hear past shows, go to iTunes and search for American Patchwork and Quilting Radio. We hope you'll join us because we know that quilting changes everything. Welcome back to The Sociable Homeschooler with Vivian McNinney, the show for any homeschooler at any point in their homeschooling career. 
Join us as we plow through the problems, tackle the challenges, and celebrate the successes. It's the Sociable Homeschooler on Toginac. And now back to your host, Vivian McNenny. I'm delighted to welcome Catherine Grubb to my show. I had to go back through our emails to find out how I found her. And I think it may have been Twitter or another guest blog roll or some homeschool site I was trawling for leads. But wherever it was, she's a keeper. And she said yes to my invitation. And she's going to be here or she is here today. And I told her we had a lot in common. She was born in northeastern Oklahoma. I was born in Hostel, West Germany. She was raised in the Tulsa suburbs. I was raised at boarding school in England. She attended the University of Oklahoma and I attended London Uni. We both taught school, although I only lasted a few days. She shocked everyone by moving to Boston, Massachusetts to marry a man she'd been emailing for nine months. I married a cowboy and then moved to Texas. We both had children, boisterous ones at that, who generate a lot of laundry, eat everything in sight all day and keep us busy homeschooling. But before I give away her whole story, welcome Catherine to my show. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so happy to be here. (laughs) Well, good, good, good. And did I tell everything or is there some more? There's there's just a little more. In all of my in all of my spare time, I try to write books, but usually just in very teeny tiny increments. Okay. (laughs) That's really all there is to it. All right. Okay. Well you have tell us you have five children. Okay, give us the, yes. give us their ages and whether they're boys or girls. Okay. I have two teenage girls who are 16 and 14 and a half. Mm-hmm. And then I have two boys who are 12 and 10. Mm-hmm. And then I have a diva who's eight. Okay. And she runs the world. All right. <laughs> I think I think everybody has to have a diva. My youngest is oh, a diva. Okay. I think it has something to do with being the youngest and the center of attention completely. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Willful. How do you work with that? Um, well, they, I've learned every year is a little different and every year requires different flexibilities and demands. And, mm-hmm. you know, sometimes I don't know how I do it. But every day is a new day to try to correct the mistakes of yesterday. And we have a lot of, we pass out chores, we have a routine. Everybody kind of knows what to expect. And you get up the same time every day, meal times are the same every day. Everybody knows responsibilities. That doesn't mean it all gets done exactly right. It doesn't mean that we don't need reminders, but we all know the schedule and try to keep at it. Yeah, well, I found with mine, they loved having a schedule. And then I liked doing that because then the holidays could look a little bit different, you know, if we took time off. Because one of my main things about when I was homeschooling was how are we going to tell the difference between being at home and being at home, you know. So when you're off, you're at home. When you're at school, you're at home. And so we, we, we were able to just, you know, kind of change that routine just a little bit. Do you do the same thing? Yes, in fact, today is the day that everybody seemed to finish their schoolwork. It's a day of celebration at our house. And okay. so um, nobody's sitting, there are no required academics as of today. So mm-hmm. it's a great day to celebrate. But mm-hmm. through the summer, I try to keep everybody busy, and we try to we take advantage of local events at our local library, mm-hmm. we try to visit friends. We try to have personal projects so that each kid knows that, oh, I've got to work on this this summer. Mm-hmm. I'm going to get better at this. And sometimes mm-hmm. it's as simple as 
I just want to be better at Legos. Or mm-hmm. sometimes it's I want to write some stories. Or my old my fourteen year old wants to master French. Mm-hmm. She used to work on that every day in the summer. So mm-hmm. it's not heavy duty academics, but everybody's got kind of a purpose. So mm-hmm. there's no lounging around playing Angry Birds all day. Yeah. So and yeah. I find it works for everybody. Yeah. Um, do you actually use a curriculum, or do you you know sort of work out your own? Because you've been doing this now for twelve years. You're an old hand. Yeah. Yes. I um I like to kind of feel bits and pieces from other curriculums that I like. Mm-hmm. And and then, like, we really have loved working with Story of the World for history. Mm-hmm. And so that's kind of just been, we're like, on the second or third round of that series. But <laughs> it feels familiar. Like, oh, yeah, we already did this. That's okay. We're doing it again. Yeah. But I really like yeah. the, the backbone. And then I supplement it with things from the local library and videos. And um, I, our science is kind of a hodgepodge of things I've picked together from here and there. I discovered Khan Academy's got a great resources for science videos. We're going to use those mm-hmm. next year. And um, we're doing kind of, and we spend so much time at our local library. I feel like if I didn't have that, I couldn't homeschool at all. Yeah. But, um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Do you, do you so like I book lists? Figured. I love book lists. Yes. Uh, yes. Yes. When they were younger, I made sure that everybody read the basics of of childhood, you know, important books, Corduroy and Dr. Seuss and all these really important picture books. And now we're kind of expanding it to different tastes. And my big girls are independent readers, and I don't really have to monitor them or what they do, but my old guys, if I, my boys, if I wasn't careful, they they would stick to graphic novels of Star Wars. I kind of like, you know, yeah, I, I have a son, actually. He did really well. He wanted to read, what did he read? He wrote, read Roald Dahl's, um, or one of his books, I can't remember what it was, but a proper book with chapters and everything. Yeah. And it took him quite a long time to read. He struggled because it was it was really difficult, but he wanted to read it. Danny Champion yeah. of the World, I think the book was called. Yeah. But by the end of um, the year, he was back to his Henry and Mudge picture books. I mean, yeah. he was ni- he was nine yeah. or ten or whatever. He'd read his big book. He'd he'd made easy. He'd made his point that he could actually get himself through a book, and then he went back to the easy books. He liked those, so it was funny. But I let him do it. I mean, if if they're reading, yeah. they're reading. You know, so right, right. Yeah. We have a collection of um of abridged classics that I've kept over the years. And my eight-year-old daughter discovered um, The Hunchback of Notre Dame. Mm-hmm. And this is a child's version. This is hard, mm-hmm. Hardly the original. It's just the basic story plot. She was moved to tears by it. She mm-hmm. loved it so much. She cried. She said, I mean, she'd been reading things like Henry and Mudge and mm-hmm. fairy books up to this mm-hmm. point. And now she's, like, really affected by literature. And she's only eight. And mm-hmm. she said, she, with tears swimming down her eyes, she said, I've wasted the first six years of my life I'm oh, not no. reading. <laughs> You're okay, Nate. You've got plenty of time to wake up. Yes, yes. Oh, how lovely. How <laughs> but lovely. I was really happy. Discovering so, the joy of good, really good books is such yeah. a thrill. To, and that's what, why we do what we do. Yeah. And so. you've you've written a um, poetry. You love poetry. So you've written a poetry yeah. curriculum. Do you want to tell us a little bit about that? I did. I read a poetry curriculum called Critter Writing Poetry, and I wrote it because years ago, my children and I were going through biology, and we were studying animals, and I want—I wasn't really happy with the language arts program I had, and I wanted to be creative. So I took Marianne Hoberman's book of poetry called The Llama Who Had No Pajama, okay. and then I kind of wrote a 
curriculum taking the simpler of her poems, the ones that deal with animals, and breaking mm-hmm. them down into the components, the rhyme structures, the synonyms, the alliteration, and then step-by-step allowing the um, children to kind of plug in their own versions mm-hmm. of the poetry and then having a chance to illustrate them and mm-hmm. publish them, quote-unquote, for mm-hmm. family and then accomplishing something. And mm-hmm. um, I have it for free on Teachers Pay Teachers curriculum, our website. Teachers Pay Teachers, I believe, is the website. And I have it there for free for anybody who wants it. It's appropriate for, like, a third to fifth grade. Okay. And uh, it's for anybody who likes poetry, wants to introduce poetry. It's easy. It's a downloadable PDF. You just write mm-hmm. in it. So tell me the so name of the website again. I didn't get that. I teachers pay teachers. Oh, teachers pay teachers. Okay, I'll yeah. look it up, and then I'll put it. I yeah. will link it actually on my my Toginet page and my uh, that would be awesome. My web page. Yeah, but I have yeah. it here for free, and I you know for anybody who is interested uh-huh. in it, you know, we we enjoyed it. In fact, I'm going to make the younger kids go through it again this next year. Don't tell. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, I won't. I won't. <laughs> so your girls, I think um, your 16-year-old probably looking towards college. Um, oh, how are you going to handle that? I With a lot of um, back rubs, possibly a glass of wine or two, I think. So yes, I'm kind of, yes. I'm kind of freaking out <laughs> a little bit. It really came, it came really fast. In fact, we've just been having this conversation in the last few weeks. One of my jobs for me this summer is to get our act together and have a plan, or at least a loose plan, mm-hmm. of what college looks like, what post-high school looks like. Mm-hmm. And I don't want to make the assumption that college is for everybody, and I don't mm-hmm. want to just automatically sign up to go into debt for something. <laughs> I'm not mm-hmm. sure it's going to be a good fit. And so with a lot of prayer and, um, you know, talks with Daddy and looking at the checkbook and just finding out what she's good at, I think we're going to come to a decision. But I want it to be one that we're all happy with. So yeah. we don't yeah. know yet. Yeah. We're thinking. We're taking the yeah. steps in the right direction. Yes. So well, you know, the, your oldest <laughs> is going to be your trailblazer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just poor thing. She's had it yeah, I know. <laughs> Well, I did. I did. We did the community college route. We really enjoyed that. They were able to do their dual credits and still you yes. know, be at home doing homeschooling and that. And so that worked really well for us. And our community college was wonderful. So you may have something like that in your area. We we do actually. We have some very we have good local community college opportunities. And I'm mm-hmm. thinking, well, you know, if for nothing else, it's going to save money yeah, later. Absolutely. The schools in Massachusetts are really. Expensive. Expensive. Yes, yes, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Will help. Will be yeah. really great. And so, as much you know, I'm kind of like too bad we can't send them to OU like I did. But <laughs> that's yeah, yeah. So far away. Well, you so, can. Um, I think I've got some shows on on that too. But um, I do. We did that, and we did the first two years. And my my boys went off to four year college, but they went in as juniors, so it saved yeah. them a lot of money. So you know, they right. Right. they wanted specifics, so they had to really go go away and do their their specific degrees. But they got them, and they they were graduated and done before twenty one. So um, that That's was really great. quick and easy. Yes, and then they went yeah. back and carried on doing what they wanted to do with the with their lives right. so yeah I think all right really so um we're we've got about a minute before we go on our break okay. and um after the break i want to talk to you about your writing and how you managed oh, to great. do it with your five children and um i know that you've uh 
written one of your book. You've written a book and you've had it published, and you're working on other books. And you say it's hard work to do this. So um, we're going to be doing. handle toddlers, teens, and tirades when homeschooling. That's what we're working on now. It's Vivian McNinney, the sociable homeschooler, and we'll be right back after these. Are you ready to start rocking that woo-hoo that only you do? Because Lisa Stedman is on a mission. She will dare you, challenge you, enlighten you, provoke and empower you to bring out that inner woo-hoo. Lisa is an internationally acclaimed best-selling author. She is a breakup expert, a brand consultant, CEO of Woohoo Inc. and the Woohoo Radio Network. She will show you how to take your boo-hoo and turn it into woo-hoo. Get rebellious and get real. Get your dreams off the back burner. Get inspired and motivated to take action. Start rocking that woohoo that only you do in love, life, and business. She is going to be here for you every Wednesday at 1 p.m. Central Standard Time. Only here on the Woohoo Radio Network. There's no stopping us. Join host Kaylin Amadio for Act Local, marketing for small business. Kaylin helps concerned, confused, and even clueless small business entrepreneurs market simply, safely, and successfully. Join Kaylin for some Monday morning marketing madness that will leave you with more ideas, more understanding, and more knowledge about why and how harnessing the Internet gives you the power to bring your business to the next level. Whether you need help with online media, social media, video, or mobile marketing for your local business, this marketing black belt will guide you into the 21st century with easy tips, tricks, and techniques that get your local business seen and heard. Each week, Kaylin will feature a new tip that you can use today, as well as a range of guest experts who are passionate about helping local business owners thrive. Act Local Marketing for Small Business airs every Monday morning at 9 a.m. Eastern Standard Standard time. Welcome back to The Sociable Homeschooler with Vivian McNinney, the show for any homeschooler at any point in their homeschooling career. Join us as we plow through the problems, tackle the challenges, and celebrate the successes. It's The Sociable Homeschooler on Toginac. And now back to your host, Vivian McNinney. Catherine, you're a busy, busy homeschooling mom with five children, and yet you find time to write. And you say that finding time is hard work, which I'm sure it is. And you used to set your clock for 10-minute increments. Tell us about that. How do you do that? I'm going to ask you other questions, but tell us how you decided during the day to snatch those times. Well, when I when my youngest was just a few months old, I was just really felt like I needed to do something for my passions. And the house we lived in at the time, I had my computer in the kitchen counter. Mm-hmm. And I thought, there's surely there's a way that I can get attend to my big dreams, even for a little bit of time a day. Even if I could carve out 10 minutes, I'd be accomplishing something. And something mm-hmm. is better than nothing. And mm-hmm. so I would set my timer on my microwave for 10 minutes. 
and I would work like a crazy person on my mm-hmm. stories. Mm-hmm. And I tried to have everything together and organized so there was no delay in trying to find the file or missing papers. Everything was ready. Then when mm-hmm. the timer dinged, and I'd go back to being a mommy, washing mm-hmm. dishes, laundry, putting out the fires, whatever. And then the timer would ding again, and I'd go back to work. Now, my mm-hmm. goal was maybe one or two of those a day, and I felt like I was accomplishing something. But then as my mm-hmm. family got trained to work around me, I got up to an hour. Mm-hmm. And then it got to be bigger and bigger. Then as they got old, but everybody mm-hmm. kind of knows, oh, you know, this is mommy's writing time. Mm-hmm. So it boiled down to just finding, carving out time, being organized, trying to communicate my desires, not being discouraged, even with small beginnings, mm-hmm. and um, keep plowing forward. Well, after I've been doing that now for eight years, yeah. and now I've got three books. There's two books for sale, one I'm working on it. I've got a publishing contract. I've got an agent. I have a group on Facebook. I've got, you know, a lot of followers on Twitter. But I'm living the dream right now, and it's because I found the time those years ago, even when it didn't look like it was perfect. If I'd waited for well, perfect, I'd still be waiting. So Exactly. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that, my, my mother used to say something similar. If you wait until you can afford to have children, then you never will. You know, you just have exactly. to go ahead because if you wait, that time is never going to come. You just have to seize yeah. the moment. So with these 10-minute yeah. increments, I'm trying to think, gosh, it takes me a long time to gather my thoughts when I sit down to write. And I can understand that, um, you know, if you really, really want to do something, you can do it as, as long as you're organized. Yeah. And thank goodness for a computer, you can kind of go straight back and, and get going again. Um, but what were you writing at this point? Were you just writing short stories, quick ideas, or were you writing the book? Um, I didn't even know what I wanted when I first started. Okay. And I spent okay. probably a year or two just figuring out what my big dream was. I didn't know. I knew I wanted to write, but I didn't know what it was I wanted to write. Mm-hmm. And I've always been uh, a fan of comedy. And I've mm-hmm. always been inspired by really family-centered sitcoms. And I thought, well, mm-hmm. and then I started studying novels. And since my lifestyle doesn't allow me to go to Los Angeles and work for Fox Television, mm-hmm. I need to figure this out on my own. And mm-hmm. so I thought, well, once I realized, I didn't think I could write a novel. But then I started reading books about art, the craft of writing novels. and thought, yeah, I can do this. I can do mm-hmm. this. So I mm-hmm. kind of taught myself. I went to my local library. I read everything I could get my hands on. I read writing blogs. And then I started piecing together what they call pantsing, this writing off, this writing over the seat of your pants. Not really, no form or structure. And it took me five years, but I wrote a novel. Mm-hmm. And it's available now on Amazon. It's called The Truth About the Sky. And it's about a dysfunctional family in northeastern Oklahoma. It's a little bit autobiographical. So, mm-hmm. so, so then I learned. But I learned. That book taught me a lot about what it, what novels require. So then I, um, I got the bug. I wrote Falling for Your Madness in the summer of 2012. And it's been my most successful book. And it... Um, has opened a lot of doors for me. It allowed for me to um, get a contract with Hotter and Stoughton out of the UK. They want mm-hmm. me to write a book about how to write a novel in 10-minute increments. What, what do you do when you sit down at your computer for only 10 minutes? What's the next step you take? So I'm writing that book right now, and it's been mm-hmm. a big challenge. I didn't have that book in front of me when I was doing this. Yeah. <laughs> I couldn't piece it together from my own experiences. Yeah. And I also created this group on Facebook of like-minded writers who don't really know how to do this either. They're trying to carve time. 
here and there around their busy schedule to pursue their dreams. And mm-hmm. um, it's called 10-Minute Novelist. And somehow we're all going to work together and we're going to encourage each other and find practical ways to do this and um, build a community so that, you know, there's a lot of people out there, We moms especially, who are just really, really busy and swamped and don't think that they can give themselves even 10 minutes. Well, you, you, um, you blog as well, and blogging today yes. is a really good outlet for that because 10 or 15 years ago or even eight years ago, that wasn't really a big thing, was it? No, I started my blog in 2008, Yeah, and it's been a slow process, but the blog mm. is really, it was through the blog that I got the contact with the, with the publisher. Mm-hmm. And, you know, who does, who, you know, if you had told me, that after five years of blogging, I, I would get a contract. I wouldn't have believed you mm-hmm. because I took the blog was kind of my training ground. Who am I? What's my voice? Mm-hmm. What do I really want to be? The blog really did that for me. And, mm-hmm. and, and I had different requirements. Some years I would go, I'd blog every day. Sometimes it was five days a week. Now I'm down to only blogging on Mondays, which works yeah. for me. And mm-hmm. um, I, now we're talking, I blog about writing. I blog about working around busy schedules practical things about how to use social media mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and those kinds of things for new and struggling writers. So, Catherine, when you wrote Falling for Your Madness, had you already put some of that up on a blog or is that a rule not to do that? Um, well, I, that, at the time, that was a big no-no. If you yeah. were going to be taken seriously as a writer, not not to show anybody anything. But my yeah. my agent, Chip McGregor, recently posted about how that's not so much the case anymore. Yeah. I yeah. never I never published I never put it out for public viewing until I was completely ready to sell it. Uh-huh. But you know, now I think now I'm not an authority on this and it things changed so quickly in publishing. Yeah. Yeah. Now it's getting to where it's not quite the big no no it used to be. And yeah. people who want to share stories I know on yeah. Goodreads, they have venues for short story writers, people who just want to practice their skills and get feedback. I think it's a great opportunity to do that. Mm. <laughs> I haven't thought about that personally. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I will in the future. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, so you, um, what, how, how did you come up with Falling for Your Madness? Because you sent me a copy and I'm about halfway through it, totally enchanted. Oh. And um, oh, I'm having to read it on my computer, and I'm a book person. I like to have that book in my hand. I have uh, not gone over. I've not gone over to the Kindle yet, but I suppose I will one of these days. But no, at the moment. So I'm reading it online, which is kind of a first for me. And I'm enjoying reading it online, actually. But I just look as though I'm doing, you know, my husband goes, well, what are you doing? And I go, well, actually, I'm yeah. reading. I'm not writing anything at the moment. So tell me where you got the idea and how that came about. Um, it was the summer of 2012, and we were having a really big personal crisis that I don't want to get into in our family life, uh-huh. and I was kind of daydreaming a lot. And I remember thinking about what, from a romantic point of view, I hadn't written a romance, uh-huh. and I also thought, what type of man would it be who would be the kind of man that a girl could never say no to? Uh-huh. And I thought, well, a perfect gentleman, really. Yeah. One that's respectful and chivalrous, one that is thoughtful, one that kind of gets the under, understanding of being taking care of, one that's mm-hmm. self-disciplined. Mm-hmm. And so it kind of 
I, I didn't ever like it when authors would say this to me because I never really got it. But now I get it. It really felt like David Bowles, who's the main character of my story, walked into my house and sat me down and said, you really mm-hmm. can tell my story. Mm-hmm. And so, mm-hmm. and I saw him in his tweed jacket and his wool pants and his shaggy hair. I saw him. Mm-hmm. And I, he kind of obsessed me for about six weeks mm-hmm. that summer. And I didn't do anything. The 10-minute method threw out the window. I became mm-hmm. a 10-hour writer. My family remembers that they couldn't even talk to me because if I was not in front of my computer, I was so busy thinking about him and Laura and what happened. And, mm-hmm. <laughs> and it really became, and since the story is about obsession and madness, I was kind of obsessed and mad, too. And I didn't eat and I didn't sleep. Mm-hmm. It's kind of scary. <laughs> I'm yeah. not sure I want to write like that again. But the result well, was really good. It's a fun story, yeah. and it's done yeah. really well for me. <laughs> well, today, you know, these you were, you were throwing out these um, um, attributes or characteristics of somebody that you couldn't say no to. And I think a lot of that has been lost today, don't you? Yes, absolutely. And that's kind mm-hmm. of why I wrote it, because the, yeah. I wrote it for my kids. And I wanted my, you know, they're coming to the age where relationships for the opposite sex are going to be more important than they are now. Mm. And I really want them to see, you know, this is how it should be done. And even though nobody's perfect, and David certainly isn't in the story, you know, this is this ideal of respect, self-respect, and why the difference it makes when you're a woman to treat yourself as a lady Mm-hmm. And how you hold your head up high and how you will not expect the men around you to be animals. Mm-hmm. And how, if you're a young man, how much more attractive you are if you're self-controlled mm-hmm. and you respect the women around you. Mm-hmm. So I dedicated the book to my boys, mm-hmm. but my girls have devoured it. And they, mm-hmm. they're they not holding out. They're not going to date anybody until they meet David Bowles himself. Until they meet and him. I'm like, okay, well, that's fine. you know, and, and in your book, you said that David set these standards and his his helper Merle, I think his 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 driver, yes. says that he yes. sets himself standards that he finds very difficult sometimes. So it's not easy. Yes. It's not easy to oh, be no. disciplined. And I don't think you've made it seem as though oh, it's just easy. You just make up your mind. You're not going to do this. You're not going to do that. You showed the right. struggle there, which I think is good. Right. Well, you know, there's you haven't gotten far enough to figure out why he's made those rules for himself. <laughs> but no. when you do, there's a really big reason. But this, yeah. it's this whole, it's, it's part of his identity. Mm-hmm. And the truth of the story is he sees himself much uh, at a much higher level than sometimes his behavior it is. And yeah. I think that maybe all of us, if we can aspire to greatness, mm-hmm. then it changes who we are. Even mm-hmm. if, we're, if we're women and we aspire, I'm going to aspire to be a lady, and that's what propels you, then you're going to make better decisions. All right, Catherine, we have to go on a short break. If you could come back just briefly, I'd be grateful. Thank you. (laughs) How do you handle toddlers, teens, and tirades when homeschooling? That's what we're working on now. It's Vivian McNinney, the sociable homeschooler, and we'll be right back after these. Want to get a contact high? 
Tune in for fun, inspiration, and motivation every Friday at noon Eastern Standard Time. Learn how to maximize your mojo and just say no to the status quo. Get inspired and motivated by a fun-loving coach who knows what it's like to get through this thing called life. With your high-on-life coach, Audra Irwin, each Friday at 11 a.m. Central Standard Time and 12 noon Eastern, right here on the Rockstar Radio Network. wondered if you're normal or why you feel distant from your partner then join us for sex talk with lou with your host lou paget on toginet wednesday nights 9 8 central do you want to recreate a truly connected relationship or wonder how do i tell my kids about things Join Lou Paget, one of the world's best-selling authors in the field of sexuality, a certified sex educator and sought-after expert for all media and her renowned expert guests as they discuss anything and everything about sex that impacts our lives and our families' lives. For more on Lou, check out her website, loupaget.com. This is the show where the best experts in the field of sexuality and sexual health can finally give you the answer to that question. Join us for Sex Talk with Lou with your host, Lou Paget, Wednesday nights at 9, 8 central on toginet.com. Welcome back to The Sociable Homeschooler with Vivian McNinney, the show for any homeschooler at any point in their home, point in their home of the career. Join us as we plow through the problems, tackle the challenges, and celebrate the successes. It's The Sociable Homeschooler on Toginac. And now back to your host, Vivian McNinney. Catherine, I want to go back to your diva child because we all have one of those and um, willful and we can channel that that willfulness. Actually, I have have, all of my children are willful, but my youngest one is more so than anybody. And she's so charming with it, too. She she gets away with murder. Anyway, um, you know, you, you have these parents who say, oh, I could never do that when they find out that you homeschool. And especially if you've got children who are a little bit more um trying well they they they're a little bit more challenging a little bit more feisty and lively than um than the other ones so um what tips will you give or have you given um for dealing with a willful child well i would give them a big hug (laughs) (laughs) child or mom (laughs) both both at the mom mostly (laughs) and i think this is my theory See, I had Veronica when I was when I was thirty eight. She caught me when I was tired. You know, I already had mm-hmm. four little ones, and I was yeah. wore out. And my defenses were down. I was like all the great things I do with the older other kids is like, oh yeah, whatever. But I think that's part of it. But also mm-hmm. part of it is the pro- is she's got. But there's two girls, and then there's two boys, and then there's just her. So she doesn't have a buddy, and so buddy yeah. sometimes winds up being mommy. And yeah. mommy's old and tired, and so that's that's a little bit of it too. But the truth is, you know, she is a challenge, and um, I I have decided I have to win the battle of the will, mm-hmm. no matter what it costs. And so there, 
there's behavior that will not be tolerated. Regardless of how upset it makes me, she, mm-hmm. there's things that she can't do. And it's been a really hard road. It has not been easy. And so one of the things that we've done is we talked about the behavior of a princess because she's princess-obsessed. And this mm-hmm. worked especially when she was about four and five. And I made a chart. I had a pink princess, a purple princess, yellow princess, and a red princess. And so if she was in, in her, and those were the four stages of her behavior. And if she were got called down or she lost her temper or she got in any fight or whatever, we'd move her from the pink princess to the purple princess. Mm-hmm. And usually that was okay. Maybe you would not sleep with your favorite animal that night as your punishment. And then mm-hmm. if something else happened the day, she'd move from purple to red, purple to yellow. Mm-hmm. And then there would be a more severe punishment. So you not only lose your loving at night, but you also have to go to bed an hour early. Mm. So then it would be then it would be the fourth of course would be more severe punishment and she understood the severity mm. of it and it was gonna cost her dearly and to the point of tears. And I know it sounds bad, but that's it's like if you get to the point of tears means the will's cracking a little. And it sounds mm. terrible, but there's she really has to understand that she can't be the boss all the time. Mm-hmm. And if mm-hmm. it, you know, and it, certainly she's gonna be a better listener at that point of brokenness than she is when we're both yelling. And so yeah. so yeah. when we had this system set up and she's the one who had to move it from pink to purple, purple to yellow, you know, mm-hmm. she took it seriously and she was mm-hmm. afraid of the punishment and her behavior did change. And then, and I think got better. And I was, my life with her was so much richer. And then we had some um, adjustments in our house and moved a couple of times and we kind of dropped it, which was, you know, just part of life. And so yeah. I had to reinstate it about three, mm-hmm. three months ago. Mm-hmm. And just let's get back to this out again and let's think about how we talk to each other. Let's think about how you treat your brothers. Let's think about what makes you lose your patience. And mm-hmm. these and that, we're going we're gonna to get pink to purple, yellow, red again. Of course, yeah. because she's an artist, she had to update all the princess dresses, make sure they were pretty enough. And then, <laughs> and then but, but it, you know, it just was a matter of days and things mm-hmm. changed. But it's like, that works for her. And it's not going to work mm-hmm. for every kid. But that yeah. worked for her. It was tangible. It was it was manageable. It was measurable. Um, she understood what behaviors were unacceptable. When we, we explained this, when we were calm and communicate, we didn't wait for the blow up. We didn't we mm-hmm. didn't wait till we were tired. We got it down. And so there. And then I've noticed too. If I make an effort and at least a half hour one on one time with her every day, mm-hmm. we're doing whatever she wants. We're watching My Little Pony. We're doing her nails. We're mm-hmm. doing our hair. Then she's happier, and I find mm-hmm. my time away from her to be more efficient time. Mm-hmm. So those two things seem to work really good for us. But yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I know, I know, I know. With my daughter, she she loved to go shopping. But the only problem was, no matter where we went, whether it was just the grocery store or we were looking for some clothes for her, a pair of shoes or whatever. She had to have something, and it would ruin the outing if she didn't get something bought for her, which, of course, she didn't ever get anything bought just for her. And in the end, much as she really enjoyed the outing, she she was getting frustrated with herself because she couldn't Mm. figure out how she could get the outing and still enjoy it without getting anything out of it because she didn't understand that you don't have to get something tangible out of it. You can just get a really good emotional high from it. Well, now she's turned into this wonderful 22-year-old who is the best person to go out shopping with because now she can put a lot of interest in 
to, to other people, you know, and I'll say to her, well, don't you want something? Because it makes me want to buy her something because she is so good right. about it, you know. And she says, no, 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 mom, we're not here for me. We're here for you or something. And, you know, <laughs> so she's turned into a total delight when it comes to that. And she's everybody's choice. I want Malia to come shopping with me, you know, and that kind of stuff. So yes. Yes. I suppose there is hope, you know, but you, there is a lot there of hard work that has gone on behind the scenes to get to that point. Yes, I, I have said that I think that she's going to um, be some domestic diva. I think that she's going to out Martha Stewart, Martha Stewart someday. She'll have this empire of tea parties and dresses uh-huh. Uh-huh. and place settings and decorations that's just going to mm-hmm. blow you away. And, mm-hmm. and, mm-hmm. and, and it's, oh, it's that's great because she's driven and she's passionate and she really does have strong opinions about how to fold the napkins. And she'll tell me. Yeah. But I'm doing yeah. it wrong. And so, and I'm like, but it's my job. Mm-hmm. Make her a likable person. <laughs> and yeah. Yeah. Put her yeah. into the world with, with gentleness and kindness and thoughtfulness yeah. of others. So you that's might right. tell me before I'm done, but that's my job. Yeah. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, Catherine, it's been absolutely wonderful talking to you. We've come to the end of our time. I was talking to Catherine Grubb. She's fellow homeschooler, writer, mother, washerwoman, and baker. We didn't talk about laundry and baking. Thank goodness we didn't have to talk about that. We're both faithful women. Yes. <laughs> Humorous destroyers of stereotypes. English. Well, I'm English. She's an Anglophile, though, so that helps. I, Catherine, I told us, yes, Catherine told us that she homeschools her five boisterous children ages eight to 16 writes stories in 10 minute increments loves homeschooling and just completed her 12th year and you can find her blogging at the 10 minute writer.com and that's linked on my social homeschooler site and my front page at toginet and i hope you enjoyed our conversation today and Catherine, it was delightful thank you for joining me this afternoon you have a wonderful memorial day weekend thank you very much it was great to be here well good i'm glad you be blessed and Bye. Goodbye. <laughs> well, Catherine's love of homeschooling just overflows, doesn't it? Oh, it's so wonderful to talk to somebody that just loves homeschooling. Actually, all my guests love homeschooling, so it's just wonderful to talk to people on my show. I'm so glad that we homeschooled too. As a homeschooling family, we used to have time to sit around each, uh, sit around with each other and say nothing or everything. We had time to be irritated or pouty or sad or tired. We could sprawl on the floor. We could nap together. We could feed the ducks every day if we wanted to. We could go out and wade in the creek down back 40, climb trees and work puzzles and as we all grew older and I grew more mellow I was there when they really needed me I was there to listen when my daughter had a falling out with her best friend and wanted to talk immediately each time the saga developed another twist I was there to hug my son when he came home after a rare bad day at work these dramas have a way of becoming unresolved if there is not an available pair of ears or an encircling pair of arms to wrap around them the moment they're needed and I'm not saying I'm always there at all times for all crises in my children's life. I leave that mammoth task to God. But I am saying, as my children grew accustomed to using me as a great and wise sounding board, that they now turn to me first because I've taken the time to create a close relationship with them. They tend to tell me a lot. Sometimes they tell me too much. I don't judge. I just listen. That's what they need. After all, I've known them all of their life. I know them better than anyone else in the world. And I'm so blessed that they're only a text away. And here in Turkey Creek, where I'm living, 
I wanted a change of scenery, which incidentally, Turkey Creek is pastoral as far as the eye can see. Anyway, we took our right-hand drive Jeep Wrangler out for a little jaunt. The dogs love it, and they panted for 10 miles straight. We took the dogs with them, with us, of course. We had the windows wide open to thin out the funky breath in the Jeep. And we headed for the dog park where they can run and run off their leads and be dogs with other dogs. Only there weren't other dogs, which apparently is the norm, according to their regular owners who were having fun in England. After rushing around for a bit, thrilled to be free of their leases and leashes and choker collars, they lay down in the shade of the gazebo. My Texan and I were sitting in. Well, we can do that at home. I thought. So I got up and I began to run around the park and it worked. They ran around after me, but they made it back to the gazebo before I did. And the next time I ran, they chased me down for a moment and then they ended up in the shade of a nearby tree and just watched me. And then the third time, they didn't even try to come out of the gazebo. And I thought, oh, well, forget that. I wonder if there's a dog park around that attracts other dogs. And with that, I've managed to use up another whole hour for another week. I'm going to use my KitchenAid mixer to make a cake tomorrow to celebrate our 31st anniversary of meeting with my blue-eyed cowboy. It'll be my first time to use an automatic mixer, and I think I may be a pushover. We're taking the little dog, she's the Westie, to get her shots this week. She won't be happy about that, all part of the house-sitting job. And we may or may not have people over for ribs on Memorial Day protocol, you know. You have a wonderful time with your family and friends and get ready to enjoy 104 days of summer. Catherine Grubb has that on her blog somewhere. There are 104 days of summer. She has a whole list on there. Go over there and have a look. She's come up with some wonderful ideas for you of things to do. So she's linked. Go. Go find her. Thank you for listening to The Sociable Homeschooler. I'm your host, Vivian McNenny. I'll be back same time, same place next week. Without further ado, I'll say thanks to my handsome husband, who believes in love at first sight, our four children, who are the result of that belief, the hardworking staff at Toginet Radio, my producer, Sabrina. Thank you. My guest this week, Catherine Grubb, and you, my faithful listeners especially, Hannah, Joel, Anne, Rosemary, Kathleen, Esme, Millicent, Margaret, Jacob, Walter, Jane, Olivia, Tina and oodles of others who are part of my growing audience. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord show you his kindness and have mercy on you. May the Lord watch over you and give you peace. Thank you for joining us for The Sociable Homeschooler with Vivian McNeil.